各种文明本没有冲突，只是要有欣赏所有文明之美的眼睛。不同的文化，不同的文明，闪耀着相同的人性之光，让你我互见，相互听见，彼此看见。让你我互见，心心相印，相互借鉴。We are different, but we live on the same earth and share a common home and a common future. CGTN 重磅呈现，互见，互见 ，Culture Shared。让我们在中外音乐、文学和艺术中聆听智慧启示，共享文明之光。鸟儿的欢鸣，溪水的婉转。听，爱与恨，悲与喜，苦与乐，得与失。听，跳跃的文字，灵动的声音。You're listening to more to read. 欢迎收听轻松调频美文阅读 ，more to read。我是沈听，让我们在这里一起听美文，学英语。今天，让我们一起来听古希腊哲人苏格拉底的一句话，英国女诗人玛丽·克勒律治的一首诗歌《The Other Side of a Mirror》，镜子的另一面，以及由英国著名女作家弗吉尼亚·沃尔夫所写的散文《Dorothy Osborne's Letters》，多罗西·奥斯本的书信集当中的节选片段。More to read， 用文字抒发感情。用文字诉说故事，用文字穿越古今。Daily quote。The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Socrates. 唯一真正的智慧是知道你自己一无所知。苏格拉底。苏格拉底是希腊雅典哲学的创始人之一，在后来的古代和近代，对哲学家都产生了强烈的影响。苏格拉底对艺术、文学和大众文化的描述，使他成为西方哲学传统中最广为人知的人物之一。在苏格拉底70岁时，被雅典法庭以不敬神明、信仰新神、蛊惑青年罪名审判，最终他选择喝下毒酒而死。在苏格拉底死后14年，即公元前385年，雅典法庭重审了苏格拉底案，改判苏格拉底无罪，并判处当时诬告苏格拉底的美勒托死刑，吕孔和阿尼图斯等人被判处流放。并且石匠还刻画了苏格拉底的头像来纪念此事。我们今天听到的苏格拉底的这句名言：“唯一真正的智慧是知道你自己一无所知。”是否也让你想起了中国古代先贤孔子的一句话呢？“知之为知之，不知为不知。”分别身处东西方世界不同文明的两位哲人，都以敏锐而深邃的洞察力。对真正的智慧给出了自己的定义，而两者又有着异曲同工之妙。有时候不知并不可怕，明明不知
，却还非要表现出自己无所不知，这才是可悲和可笑的。The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Socrates. 唯一真正的智慧是知道你自己一无所知。苏格拉底。The Other Side of a Mirror by Mary Coleridge. I sat before my glass one day and conjured up a vision bare, unlike the aspects glad and gay. That erst were found reflected there, the vision of a woman wild, with more than womanly despair. Her hair stood back on either side, her face bereft of loveliness. It had no envy now to hide, what once no man on earth could guess. It formed the thorny aureole. Of hard, unsanctified distress, her lips were open. Not a sound came through the parted lines of red. Whate'er it was, the hideous wound, in silence, and in secret, bled. No sigh relieved her speechless woe. She had no voice to speak her dread. And in her lurid eyes there shone the dying flame of life's desire, made mad because its hope was gone, and kindled at the leaping fire of jealousy and fierce revenge, and strength that could not change nor tire. Shade of a shadow. In the glass, oh, set the crystal surface free. Pass, as the fairer visions pass, nor ever more return to be the ghost of a distracted hour that heard me whisper, "I am she." Zhengzi的另一面，玛丽·克勒律治。有一天，我坐在镜子面前，念咒召唤出赤裸的幻象，全部似欢天喜地的容颜，过去镜子里常有的形象。一个女子的幻影，狂野的，带着更甚于女性
，没人猜得出杜毅所蕴含。他用未经圣化的艰苦，织成长满荆棘的光环。他双唇开启，没一点声音从那分开的红痕中流出。可怕的伤口，不管它是什么。秘密的流着血，声息全无，没有叹息缓解他无言的悲哀，他没有嗓音来倾诉恐怖，他那惨白的两眼，闪烁出生命之渴望的林中光焰，疯狂于希望已从此离去，跳跃的妒火把他点燃，燃烧于。不变不倦的强力，燃烧于凶猛的复仇意愿。啊，镜子里幻象的阴影，请让镜面脱困而莹洁。去吧，美好的幻象都离境，永远也不要回来。仅在这困惑的片刻，做一次鬼魂，来听我低语。我，就是他爱。我们刚才听到的诗歌《The Other Side of a Mirror》，镜子的另一面，出自英国女诗人玛丽·克勒律治，英文版本由 Mark Griffiths 为您朗读，中文版本由南海之声的主持人周薇为您朗诵。玛丽·克勒律治是英国19世纪后期的诗人、小说家和文学评论家。他出生于文学世家，浪漫派诗人克勒律治是他的曾叔公。玛丽一生未嫁，与妹妹及父母同住，在家接受教育。他的文学创作包括诗歌、小说和散文等。1896年，他以笔名阿诺多斯出版了《奇幻追随者》。他的诗作内容多涉及友谊的失败、痛苦和欢乐，风格强劲，表达浓缩凝练。有些诗预示了20世纪早期诗作的风格和技巧。我们今天读到的《镜子的另一面》被认为是他最成功的作品之一。The Other Side of a Mirror, by Mary Coleridge. I sat before my glass one day, and conjured up a vision bare, unlike the aspects glad and gay that erst were found reflected there. The vision of a woman wild, with more than womanly despair. Her hair stood back on either side, her face bereft of loveliness. It had no envy now to hide, what once no man on earth could guess. It formed the thorny aureole of hard, unsanctified distress. Her lips were open, not a sound. Came through the parted lines of red, whate'er it was, the hideous wound, in silence, and in secret, bled. 
No sigh relieved her speechless woe. She had no voice to speak her dread. And in her lurid eyes there shone the dying flame of life's desire, made mad because its hope was gone and kindled at the leaping fire of jealousy and fierce revenge and strength that could not change nor tire. Shade of a shadow in the glass, oh, set the crystal surface free, pass as the fairer visions pass, nor evermore return to be the ghost of a distracted hour that heard me whisper, I am she. Beauty 这些书信用日常口语写成，展现出17世纪中叶英国贵族女子的生活图景，文笔婉丽流畅，饶有风趣。而艾德琳·弗吉尼亚·沃尔夫是英国著名的女作家、文学批评家和文学理论家，也是意
So in English literature, we have to wait till the 16th century is over and the 17th well on its way before the bare landscape becomes full of stir and quiver, and we can fill in the spaces between the great books with the voices of people talking. 在英国文学当中也是这样。我们必须等到十六世纪结束，十七世纪过了很久，那一派萧条景象才能有所变化。变得充满生机和颤动，我们才能在伟大作品产生的间歇，听到人们说长道短的声音。Doubtless, great changes in psychology were needed, and great changes in material comfort, armchairs and carpets and good roads, before it was possible for human beings to watch each other curiously or to communicate their thoughts easily. And it may be that our early literature owes something of its magnificence to the fact that writing was an uncommon art, practiced rather for fame than for money, by those whose gifts compelled them. Perhaps the dissipation of our genius in biography and journalism and letter and memoir writing has weakened its strength in any one direction. However, this may be. There is a bareness about an age that has neither letter writers nor biographers. 毫无疑问，必须先有心理学方面的重大发展和物质享受方面的重大变化，扶手椅、地毯、良好的道路等，人们才有可能互相好奇的观察，并且顺利的交流思想。我国王谷的文学所以那么气象宏伟。也许该归功于那时候写作还是一种非比寻常的艺术，只有才华横溢的人才能从事，而且那也只是为了名气，不是为了赚钱。而后来，我们的天才却分别消耗在写传记、写报刊文字，或者写信、写回忆录里了，这恐怕就削弱了他在任何一个写作方面的力量了吧。不管怎样。到了某个时代，人才寥落，竟会连会写写信、写写传记的人也没有了。Lives and characters appear in stark outline. Donne, says Sir Edmund Gosse, is inscrutable, and that is largely because, though we know what Donne thought of Lady Bedford, we have not the slightest inkling what Lady Bedford thought of Donne. She had no friend to whom she described the effect of that strange visitor, nor had she had a confidant. Could she have explained for what reasons Dunn seemed to her strange? 传记和人物形状只剩下干巴巴的几条筋。埃德蒙·戈斯爵士说：“多恩是个莫测高深的人。”但是这不过是因为，尽管我们已经知道了多恩对于贝德福夫人的看法。我们关于贝德福夫人对多恩的看法一无所知罢了。他没有什么朋友可以对之将他对这位怪客人的印象描写一番。即使他有一个知心好友，他也写不清楚自己为什么觉得多恩古怪。And the conditions that made it impossible for Boswell or Horace Walpole to be born in the 16th century were obviously likely to fall with far heavier falls upon the other sex. Besides the material difficulty, Dunn's small house at Mitcham, with its thin walls and crying children, typifies the discomfort in which the Elizabethans lived. 
The woman was impeded also by her belief that writing was an act unbefitting her sex. 如果说种种条件决定了博斯维尔或者赫拉斯沃波尔这样的作家不可能产生在16世纪，那么这些条件对于妇女的压力就更要沉重的多了。且不说物质上的困难，多恩在密切姆居住的只有薄薄四堵墙、孩子们还在里边哭闹的狭小房屋。足可说明，伊丽莎白时代居民的住房是何等局促。妇女还受一种思想的约束，即认为写作不适合女性的身份。A great lady here and there whose rank secured her the toleration, and it may be the adulation of a servile circle, might write and print her writings, but the act was offensive to a woman of lower rank. Sure, the poor woman is a little distracted. She could never be so ridiculous else as to venture writing books and in verse too, Dorothy Osborne exclaimed, when the Duchess of Newcastle published one of her books. For her own part, she added, "If I could not sleep this fortnight, I should not come to that." And the comment is the more illuminating in that it was made by a woman of great literary gift. 偶尔也有某位贵妇人写点东西印出来，那是因为她地位高，有人巴结她，这才得到默许的。但是下层妇女要做这种事，可就要惹人讨厌了。这个可怜的女人一定是有点疯了，要不然怎么会这样可笑，竟敢写书，而且写的还是诗？当纽卡斯尔公爵夫人出了一本书的时候，多罗西·奥斯本这样说道。谈到他自己，他又说：“哪怕我两个礼拜睡不着觉，也不至于迷糊到那种程度。”这句话特别能说明问题，因为说话的人是一个非常有文学才能的女人。Had she been born in 1827, Dorothy Osborne would have written novels. Had she been born in 1527, she would never have written at all. But she was born in 1627. And at that date, though writing books was ridiculous for a woman, there was nothing unseemly in writing a letter. And so, by degrees, the silence is broken. We begin to hear rustlings in the undergrowth. For the first time in English literature, we hear men and women talking together over the fire. 假如多罗西·奥斯本生在一八二七年，她可能会写出许多部小说。假如他生在1527年，他可能什么也不会写。然而，他是生在1627年，而在那个时代，对于一个女人来说，写书虽还算是荒谬的事，写封信倒没有什么不体面。这么一来，沉寂就一点一点给打破了。于是，我们开始听到灌木丛中窸窸窣窣的声音。于是。在英国文学中，我们第一次听到了男人和女人们围炉漫谈的声音。But the art of letter writing in its infancy was not the art that has since filled so many delightful volumes. Men and women were ceremoniously sir and madam. The language was still too rich and stiff to turn and twist quickly and freely upon half a sheet of notepaper. The art of letter writing is often the art of essay writing in disguise. 
。但是当时书信一到，尚在草创之际，还不能像后来那样自成一种艺术，并且结集成书，供人欣然开卷。那时候，男人女人之间还只能客客气气互称先生和女士，文字仍然华丽而生硬。作者还不能在尺幅之间自由挥洒、曲尽心意，而书信艺术往往又是一种变相的随笔艺术。But such as it was, it was an art that a woman could practice without unsexing herself. It was an art that could be carried on at odd moments, by a father's sickbed, among a thousand interruptions, without exciting moment. Anonymously, as it were, and often with the pretense that it served some useful purpose. Yet into these innumerable letters, lost now for the most part, went powers of observation and of wit that were later to take a rather a different shape in Evelina and in Pride and Prejudice. 虽说如此，一个女人尽可常常写信，而不至于让人说她有失女性身份。这种写作可以挤零星时间进行，比如说在父亲的病榻旁边写写停停停停写写，既不会惹人说长道短，又仿佛是无名氏的作品，还常常可以说写信是为了某种有益的目的。然而，在这数不清的信里，他们之中的大部分自然是丢失了，又蕴藏着何等的观察力和才智。这种观察力和才智到后来。又以颇不相同的形态出现在《埃维丽娜》和《傲慢与偏见》之中。They were only letters, yet some pride went to their making. Dorothy, without admitting it, took pains with her own writing and had views as to the nature of it. Great scholars are not the best writers of letters. I mean, of books, perhaps they are. All letters, methinks, should be free and easy, as one's discourse. She was in agreement with an old uncle of hers, who threw his standish at his secretary's head for saying "put pen to paper" instead of simply "wrote." 自然，这些不过是一批信件而已。但是，某种自豪在写信当中也是少不了的。多罗西口头上不承认，但他对写信不仅下过功夫。而且还有自己的看法。大学者不一定是好作家，我指的是在写信方面。写书，他们也许在行。我想，书信应该像谈话一样轻松自由。他跟他的一位老伯伯的意见不谋而合。这个老头曾经拿起墨水瓶往他的秘书头上扔，因为他不肯简单明了地说写字，而说什么授笔书之于纸。Yet there were limits, she reflected, to free and easiness. Many pretty things shuffle together, do better spoken than in a letter, and so we come by a form of literature, if Dorothy Osborne will let us call it so, which is distinct from any other, and much to be regretted now that it has gone from us, as it seems, forever. 不过，他也考虑到信里的自由轻松，毕竟有种种限度。他说：“许多有趣的琐事搅成了一团，用作谈话之姿，倒比写在信里更好。这么一来，我们就有了一种文学形式。如果多罗西·奥斯本允许这么称呼的话，
，它与任何其他文学形式都截然不同。非常遗憾的是，这种文学形式在今天似乎已经永远消失了。今天的节目就要结束了，感谢您的收听，我是沈听，我们明天见。